0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Poo, and this is episode 198, fast approaching to the landmark 200th episode. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that's at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I'm feeling great. Is it because the long weekend is close?
1: I mean, that's one weekend, but also... I got a lot of a lot of content out on these internets this week, so uh, I'm I'm not above praise and compliments, you know. Is this,
0: is, so this is like the worst version of a humble brag, basically.
1: Yes, this is like the this is the worst version of praise that you're gonna get.
0: <laughs> but we are joined by first time guest. His name is Albert Gim. That's Al- at Albert O E Gim on Twitter. He is a writer for No Ceilings NBA. He also hosts the Draft Act podcast that he does with Corey Tulliba. Albert, how are you doing? I'm doing well,
2: guys. It feels uh, pretty cool, pretty surreal to be on the pod. Shouts to you guys for getting to 198 episodes. That's that's real work. That's dedication. That's that's loving the grind. So. Respect to you guys. I'm ready. I'm ready to rock. Ready to talk some draft. Ready to talk some beloved Knicks. I've got I got the Yankee game going on in the background. So um, life is good, and I'm ready to rock.
0: Oh, are you a Knicks fan?
2: Oh yes, sir. Yeah, dude. That's that's why I fucking got him on the pod. (laughs) Also also the draft stuff, but
0: (laughs) but but you were like you were like oh he wrote the Jalen Williams like you weren't like oh he's a Knicks fan. You were like. Oh, he wrote this article about Jalen Williams. I was like, okay, that, that makes sense. Why we'd have them. On
1: the <laughs> no, I'll tell you what happened, Albert. I sent him a screenshot of the end of your article. And we'll get into the article because uh, we're both big uh, Jalen fans around these parts. And you talk about the end, how you would want the Knicks to oh, pick yeah, him at 11. There's... But the thing is, I spam Schwinn all the time. So he doesn't always read what I send him, <laughs> which is understandable. <laughs>
0: Up until it recently, it's just been like, it's it's like 20 clips a day of Johnny Davis closeouts. <laughs> Look at his motor. Like, I don't, sh- I, I get it. Johnny Davis, try hard. Uh All right, but before we get started, I do have to make an announcement. The Strickland has Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's a number of different tiers. There's $6 a $6 tier that gets you access to this pod, Pod Strickland, every Friday that I do with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag that happens every other week with Jeremy and Drew. More importantly, you get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There's a, there's a $9 tier. That gets you access to my solo pods, trick and Roll. That is now happening weekly. So even more content where I yell about the Knicks. You also get access to, and much more importantly, wonderful weekly articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Morena, two of the best Knicks writers in the business. There's further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier those get you access to a variety of other benefits like merchandise discounts live watch parties listening in on pod recordings and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day if you choose to subscribe thank you very much and if not that's still okay because none of this would be possible without you so without further ado let's get started Uh, Albert, you wrote an article about Jalen Williams, which clearly uh, I have not read yet. I'm perusing it as we speak right now. But I and Prez knows this. I as a very, very uh, I'm a draft scouting layman this year. And I have, you know, I've. Openly said, I'm not doing you know any. I'm not doing big boards. I'm not doing deep dives, Scott. Like Scott is doing
1: only vibes this year. Yeah, it's just
0: like <laughs> who are guys that I like and who are guys that might be in ranges where the Knicks could pick. Right. And Jalen Williams is obviously he's a guy who has risen through the entire uh, draft process. I got. I'll just give you my initial imp- uh, thoughts on him. I have no idea why he's been projected. I've seen like, I think the highest thing I've said, I've seen about him was people now think his range starts at 20. Uh, I got to be honest, when I compare him to a lot of guys in this draft, and, you know, particularly guys that are being mocked in the top 20, like, I really don't get it. And I watched the Mike Schmitz interview uh, this morning over my wonderful morning cup of coffee. uh, And it actually just made me it made me kind of understand, and I don't know if you get into this in the article, which again I'm perusing. After I shut the fuck up, I'll peruse even more. Um, but like, he's a guy who had a late growth spurt, so he's somebody who has grown into his body a little bit later. And I think like what you saw this year, yes, some of it is third year in college, so obviously there's benefits of that experience and all those kind of things. Um, but I also just think you're seeing a a, a guy who is now comfortable being 6'5 with a 7'2 wingspan and all that that entails and how to use that to his advantages. Um and he also mentioned something very interesting I thought in his interview, and I don't know if this if this comes out in the film too that you looked at, but he talked about how he's really comfortable going to his left because I guess at some point in his uh growth as a player in his career, um, he broke his right wrist. So all he could do was work on his left.
1: Oh my and, God, that explains so much because I, I was legit wondering watching him. He's like truly, truly ambidextrous.
0: Yeah, and so I just look at the breadth of what we're talking about this player. Like, why might he have taken longer to, you know, really come onto the scene? Why, uh, like, what is it about him that is making him such a late riser. And the more I look at it, I'm just like, like, should the Knicks take him at eleven? Probably not, because you can get him later. But it's also a thing where I'm like, like the Spurs took what, Primo last year at twelve, was it? And like they had intel that OKC was going to pull the trigger on him if they didn't. And maybe they could have traded down and got like a couple of seconds or something like that, but and still gotten him. But they just ended up pulling the trigger on him. And I think, like, if you really like a kid like this, and, again, 6'5", 7'2", wingspan, to me, looks like, can he be a primary ball hunter in the NBA? I don't know. Uh, But he definitely looks like he can handle the rock and run offense for you in doses. Uh, I just, if you like him that much, and he's standing on your board, like, I don't know. I would honestly have no problem with them just taking him at 11. So those are my... All the thoughts I have developed on Jalen Williams over the last six days.
2: (laughs) Oh, boy.
1: So my Jalen Williams experience, like I didn't, I I didn't, I was laid on the bandwagon like a lot of people. And actually the first time I saw him was, uh, I didn't even know who he was. He's just the guy who dropped chat twice in the highlights. And right. I I was, you know, back then, like, I would get into debates because Chet has been number one on my board for the whole year, basically, and I'd be like, oh, he can compete on the perimeter, and they'd be like, look at this, he got dropped twice in one game, and it was pretty fucking bad, he got embarrassed, but, like, little did I know, that was not just some random fucking, you know, future gym teacher or whatever, it It was was your son. It was my son, (laughs) unbeknownst to me, who reconnected with me later in life, Jalen Williams. Thanks to
0: Ancestry.com.
1: Exactly. And uh, (laughs) He has a little bit of sauce in his handle. And, uh, you know, like, he's got a couple... He doesn't... He's not space creating on the level of, like, you know, Jalen Green or Anthony Edwards or something. Uh. But he got a little
2: something something there.
1: And mm-hmm. that was the that was kind of the intro to him for me and just seeing the rest of it like and then obviously he had all so for people who don't know Jalen Williams, you know he's a junior. He's six six. He was a wing. He did a little bit of everything um, for Santa Clara. He ran a ton of pick and rolls um, of all the guys. I did a chart and I put it on Twitter because I'm a loser and it was comparing the number of pick and roll possessions that a lot of two guardish wingish prospects had and I think he had the most aside from Alondis Williams whose usage was like ninety-nine thousand. So uh he like really good at running pick and roll both ways. He can shoot, shot forty percent. Um he's just really well rounded and then he went to the combine and his wingspan was like seven two and his vert right. was like almost forty inches and everybody was like, Holy shit should we be talking more about this guy. So um Albert, I know you wrote, you know, obviously this this awesome piece, and, and we'll link to it when we post it. But, like, w- at what point did he move from a nice player to,
2: like, Knicks? Seriously consider this man at 11 for you. I think the biggest thing for me is I'm similar to you guys. Um, Williams is a guy who was. it took me some time. Um, the, the thing that I mentioned in my piece is that uh, Tyler Rucker from our site and Corey Talibah as well – they mentioned Williams months ago. And even back then when they mentioned him, I was like, who the hell is this guy? Like, just like you guys. I was like, I've literally never heard of him um, He from a small school. And when I eventually got into his tape, the more I watched him, the more I realized like, oh, this isn't like a small school random dude. Like this guy is a legit player. And then and then what happened? Like you mentioned, he went to the combine and absolutely just blew everyone out of the water. As you mentioned, the measurables. He had the fourth best max vertical, uh, the fourth best uh, three quarter court uh, sprint time. I mean, he showed everyone, like, hey, I'm not some average athlete. I'm I'm almost. I'm a really good athlete. And when you go and watch his tape, the, the best thing of it all is that he doesn't really rely on any of that stuff at all. He plays with unbelievable pace, unbelievable savvy. You guys mentioned the left hand stuff. I mean. I, you see it on tape. The one layup that I think I posted in the article is a left hand lay, or maybe it was two of them. But he's a guy who can finish with either hand. You guys mentioned the handle; handle's tight. Um, he was doing some really beautiful stuff. I, I one of the posts I put in, it was like off a of pick and roll, or I don't remember what the set was exactly, but a sick little like tween cross gets to the bucket and just an easy layup. And the thing that I love about him is, once again, he doesn't rely on the athleticism to get to his spots. He's a guy who is really patient. He's really smart, has a good handle. He manipulates pick and roll really, really well. So the more I watch him, I mean, the title of my article was Jalen Williams' gear shifter. And the thing with him is he's just absolutely elite at changing gears. Um, He can speed up, slow down, uh, control the pace. And another thing with him, one of my favorite things with him is that he, he is so smart and so good at taking advantage of defenses that aren't set yet. And that's something he's actively, constantly looking for. Whether it's like with a hitaway pass, or you know when he's running pick and roll, and things are like there's a little bit of chaos and the defense isn't really set, he knows exactly what to do in those moments. And um, and and the last thing that I want to mention the the Schmitz um, interview that you guys talked about. I mean, if you watch that whole thing and just hear him talk about basketball, he just sounds like a savant. The kid just sounds so sharp, so smart. And my thing is. With the Knicks, if we talk Knicks-specific, um, I mean, I, I don't think I'm crazy in saying that the Knicks want to build around RJ, right? And you think about the type of players that you want to surround RJ with, it's it's kind of a guy like Jalen Williams. I mean, you look at this Knicks roster, a lot of the guys, I mean, my co-host Corey talks about it all the time, and I 100% agree with him the Knicks, we have a ton of guys who play maybe one, maybe two positions, right? Their versatility is not the word you would use to describe this Knicks roster. So if we consider that a guy like Jalen Williams, who's going to be able to guard multiple positions, a guy who's going to play the, with the ball in his hands and without it, the ball in his hands, you watch some of his off-ball cutting and the way that he cuts to the basket, the way he manipulates his defenders off-ball, it's, unbelievable so if you consider all that and you think about who you want to put next to rj barrett i feel like jalen williams would be an absolute picture perfect fit next to him so for me the 11th pick might be high for some but once you do a deep dive into his tape and you understand the type of player that he is i i really don't think it's too high at all
0: yeah and, and i think the big thing is like i i remember when um back in the 2020 draft desmond bain like draft twitter loved desmond bain right and like every draft twitter board i saw had him consistently at like minimum it was like 14 15 something like that like right at the end of the lottery right like right in that 14 to 17 range and that and like there were people that had him higher than that you know i saw boards that he was like top 10 i i could probably pull up my board right now because that's the last time i did a fucking board um i'm pretty sure i had him like i think i might have had him top 10 i know for sure i had him above guys like uh you know people love like tyrell terry i definitely had him above him like i had him above, i had him above Halliburn. i know that uh i had him above wiseman like he was high on my board and i bring him up because while draft loved him all of the uh more like the mock drafts that are more about based on intel and what teams are thinking and what they think They all had him later, right? Like 20, 25. And even then, like he obviously what he went 30th. So he went even later than expected in that sense. But I bring that up to be like, sometimes it's like you have to trust what you think versus what the consensus is. And I feel like Jalen Williams is probably a guy who is being punished because his first two years are kind of like, I mean, again, not that I fucking did a deep dive into his freshman and sophomore year film, but like, it's a guy figuring shit out. And it's not like, I think he had a 50, like an under 51 true shooting his second year. I think it was 50, under 54 his first year. So it's like, this is not a guy who was uber efficient all three years. And this year had like a huge usage jump. This is a guy who in his third year now, all of a sudden went from like, A kind of below average creator to, okay, my usage is up and my efficiency skyrockets. Now I'm hitting pull up threes. Like I'm doing all this shit off the dribble. I am a primary ball handler. Like it is, everything is up, right? And I think when people see that with a third year player, there's, you're still anchoring what his draft stock is to an extent based on what it was coming into the year versus just being like, well, what is he now? And, I understand that hesitancy because there are guys that are like that pop in their third or fourth years, and it's mostly just because they're bigger and stronger than their competition. Mm -hmm. And the reason with Jalen, I think it's different just based on whatever I've seen is like he's not just beating guys because he's overpowering them. Or he's just bigger and stronger than everybody in the conference. If anything, he should be overpowering
1: them physically more. Yeah, yeah, he should right, be doing it not. more.
0: <laughs> and and he should be out-athleting them more, and he's not. And it's like, that is what's so impressive with him to me, because I still see, like, okay, you have all this skill, and you still haven't even, you're not even leveraging your size that to, like, power through guys. You're not, like, leveraging... The fact that you have a forty fucking inch vertical, you know, like you're not leveraging things that <laughs> that you can still leverage. And so, to me, like I asked uh, our other co-host Stacey about this on our pod that we dropped on Monday. I asked him about like, okay, who are guys in kind of like the range that the Knicks could pick or later that you think have star potential? And Jalen, for me, is one of those guys that like, like I. Seriously believe that there's an outcome for him where he is one of the five best players in this draft. And like I genuinely just don't think where he's being projected is an accurate representation of his talent. And to me, like I would love if the Knicks I, I tweeted this out this morning that if the Knicks could trade at like the they have the 42nd pick and we have the Dallas 23 pick. If we could trade that those picks to move back in the first round to get him. I would love that. I would love if we could trade 11 to Charlotte for 13 and 15 or something and get Jalen Williams and Tari Eason or whatever the fuck you could pick two guys, but Mm -hmm. Jalen being one of them. And like, he's just a guy for me. There's like four or five guys where if the Knicks come out with one or two of them, I'd be really happy. He is definitely in that group. Like if the Knicks just drafted him at 11 and did nothing else in the draft, I'd be like, I'd be fine with that. Um, I think he's super talented. I think, and you mentioned the Schmitz interview. Like, I would encourage anybody to watch that. Most of those interviews, to me, they're like canned. And I thought what was really interesting about his was Schmitz would ask him a question, and then Jalen would go on for like two minutes about how he's reading the big, playing him in pick and roll, and it was it was so good. Like, it was it was it was him guiding the interview, and even the like the defense stuff. It was really interesting to see how aware he was of like what he fucked up or there were plays where like it looked like he fucked up and he was like, you know, we were running ice. This is what happened that like technically that wasn't supposed like we weren't supposed to switch. That's why the guy got behind he was me. out here telling Mike that he doesn't know ball. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 it, was just, no. it was just it was it was just a really, really good interview because a lot of those you see and it's like Mike asked him a question about it, pick and roll and the guys like, oh, I saw the big come up, so I threw this pass. And, like, they don't elaborate. Like, there's nothing more other than that surface level, like, this is what I did. And with him, he's, like, telling you, like, all, like, the five separate things he was fucking reading. It's like, Doctor Strange out here, like, yeah, I checked, like, all the fucking possibilities, and this is the one, like, that would work. So, I don't know. I probably just went on for way too long about him, but I I just think his talent is is way it's not in line with where I'm seeing him being projected um, in almost any mock draft so far.
1: Look, I'm happy you brought up the um the the questions of his improvement because one thing and, and and Albert, I'm curious uh what you think of like why this happens or doesn't happen, but like with upperclassmen when they get boosted up the boards and when they don't to me is always kind of interesting. Um I remember bre- back in the great uh Bridges Wars comment shit posting era of posting and toasting where Knicks fans were talking about McCall and Miles and Kevin Knox and all these other dudes in that draft. Um I would have to you, you know there was a lot of consternation about McCall Bridges age and mm. people would it, it was different because it wasn't like, well, is the last year a fluke? It was more just like, what would ex prospect? Like, what would McC- How was like, comparing him to a freshman like Colin Sexton or something, who right. I did not like, they'd be like, you know, what, what how was Mikala as a freshman? You know, and the implication being that the freshman player would improve as much as Bridges improved. And I'm like, like, at this point, Bridges' freshman season is completely irrelevant because he made an outlier jump. He made a jump that was not expected. It wasn't gradual improvement and he became a ridiculous player and not all freshmen are guaranteed to do that, even though all freshmen are going to improve. And then on the flip side, you have guys like Davion Mitchell, who a lot of people on draft Twitter didn't like, including me and everybody else was like, who gives a shit? He's old, but he's really good. And this is his, he's going to be really good in the NBA and his stock is going up and, and that crowd has been mostly proven right so far. I feel like you know when he went tenth or whatever. Right. So to me, I'm like, I know Davion. You know they had the deep tournament run, and that always helps. But I, I, I'm just wondering, like, like I don't know, mid twenties, twenty mm. to twenty five seems crazy to me for Jalen Williams. I don't know. I might be tripping, but like, right. just nap. How do you, how do you approach generally, even not,
2: even just beyond Jalen, guys right. who are. Juniors and seniors. I I think uh, the biggest thing for me and it's the same for my co-host Corey. Both of us. Uh, I mean, to be honest, we get a lot of shit because people say we agree too much. But I think that's why we're co-hosts because like we, we we really see the game very similarly. We love older guys. We have no problem with older guys. No one's gonna listen to our pod and um, accuse us of uh, accuse us of ageism. We we like the old guys. Uh, we really do. Last year, I think. I uh, Corey and I both had Davion in our top sixes uh, on our boards because uh, we were huge on him, and uh, I, I just I just don't see any problem with Duarte. Same thing. I really like Pritchard in the year that he came out. I I, I I saw no problem with the age. I just watched a guy just be really good at basketball, and I was like, that's cool. Um, in, in this class, Keegan Murray is is a guy who is a little bit older, and people give him crap for that, but. We're high on him. Tari Eason is old for a sophomore, right? So the age thing is interesting. And, and I think you guys, what, you, what you're talking about is really important because we, something I say all the time, development is not linear for anybody. Forget about basketball and life in general. You can get two 25-year-olds and one of them is running some startup company and one of them is still living in a basement somewhere and doesn't know what to do with his life, right? It's it development is all over the place. And so for me, I really don't care about age at all. It's if I, if I'm going to dive into hours and hours of tape of a guy and he is just doing things that are really translatable on the next level, then I I could give a shit about his age is really how I feel. Now I understand like for the people who really want to bet on somebody who's 18 years old, who's really, really young. I get it. Like it, Malachi Branham is a guy who is who is really young, and he had a great freshman season, right? So where he ends up on your board compared to others, A.J. Griffin's a younger guy, right? So where these guys end up on your board, I get it. Everyone's going to have their own predisposed notions about pre- – preconceived notions about these players and whatever. I'm, I'm cool with that, but I think for me personally, the age isn't as important. Um, I, I like the full story. I like the full career. I like the full trajectory uh, about how these guys get to these points. Um, and, and, like, even the sophomores this year, whether it's a Benedict Matherin or a Jaden Ivy, like, you saw them play really well towards like, well, maybe not really well, but you saw development as their freshman years went on. And then they popped in year two. And then even like a guy like Johnny Davis last year was asked to do all kinds of different things. And then this season he was given way more responsibility and he did, and he had an unbelievable season. I have Johnny Davis four on my board. So I, I, age really doesn't bother me at all um i just i really care about the full picture and how they got to where they are and how translatable their games are to the next level we've covered some of the the awesomeness you know the pick and roll skill
1: the the feel for the game um the ambidexterity and his finishing his combine um his competitiveness right like he didn't have to compete in the he could have just tested with his 40 inch vert and sat out and instead he went and busted people's ass for two games right like some people care about that what to you are like the landmines like the, the stuff i've heard is you know his athletic testing is great but it doesn't show up so much in the games or at least it didn't so far um other people have some worries about his shooting being not quite at the level that it was this year and it being somewhat closer to. Um, his first season or this sophomore year, which was a COVID season. Um, some people like Schwinn alluded to are worried that he's, well, he has handle and size. He's, he's not really blowing by guys and he's kind of dependent on craft. Um, Like what are the, are, are
2: you worried about any of that? <laughs> um, So it's tricky. So the reason why I think it's tricky is because when people bring up Jalen Williams' athleticism not really popping on tape. I can understand that. I mean, people had the same questions about Trey Mann last year heading into the draft. They are like, hey, this guy, you know, I, is, I mean, he seems not athletic. everybody did.
0: Not everybody did. Right. Perez?
2: <laughs> I had Trey irresponsibly high on my. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if you remember last year, a lot of people had those questions like, OK, yeah, he's yeah, athletic, totally. but we don't see it in the game. And then he gets to OKC and then he's just dunking on people's heads and laughing at everyone. Right. So with Jalen Williams, I get it. Even like when he attacks the rim, there are times where it's like a little under the rim and you're like, hey, man, I could have jumped a little higher on that. I get it. But at the same time, like you guys mentioned it too. He had that whole growth spurt thing and he, I'm sure he's uh, used to being a little shorter and, you know, living under the rim and being really savvy, but I'm okay with that because once again, like, I love the fact that he was never reliant on that athleticism and he was able to get to his spots whenever and wherever. Like if if you watch some of the clips that I posted in in my article, like just the the manipulation, the timing, the vision, the threat of the jump shot, the handle, like the the culminate or sorry, the the, once you aggregate all or put everything together and see the whole picture of his offensive package, it's like it's fine. It's okay. And then, if anything, once he gets into an NBA program, NBA coaching, NBA players around him, we may start to see him pop a little bit more than he did in college. So I, I think there are a lot of different factors, but I get it. And even with the shooting, i that's the one thing where I'm like, I- I'm pretty... I'm pretty set on him with that. Like you look at the mechanics of his shot. I'm just like, what part of that do you think is not going to translate? I I think he, he can shoot off the dribble. He can shoot off the catch. Some of the mid range pull-ups were really, really nice. Um, He shot from deep three and hit some really nice shots. So I don't know. Like I, I didn't come on your pod today to just sing his praises and be like, yeah, he's the perfect player, but the questions that you listed, like I feel like I, they don't worry me too much because ultimately, let's say that his shooting regresses a little bit and he's like a thirty six percent thirty seven percent shooter from three I, I can live with that because that's not the only part of his game that's gonna matter, so overall, I'd say with those questions, I understand them, but i i'm I feel pretty okay about them. That's kind of one of the reasons i'm
1: I'm also okay with him is he's he's a versatile prospect in the sense that like he doesn't have to be a primary ball handler. He could be a Bingo. secondary ball handler. He could be a two or a three or even a four. Like he can, you can put him in all types of roles and he'll probably be fine. Like as far as floors go, like there's, I, I just don't see the, way anyway, he's a bum. And obviously you hope the Knicks get more than not a bum at, <laughs> at, at, at 11, but like he's, you know, he's versatile. And, and I think the improvements from earlier in his college career are real. Like I tweeted this out. um, He, in his first two years combined had 115 catch and shoot threes, shot 31% on them. His junior year, he had 64, he shot them at 48%. And like, that's a really big improvement. Um, He improved in his long two shooting percentage, he improved in his free throws, he improved in his runners, he improved his vert, he improved in his passing, so like the, the guy's putting in work, man, so I, I guess my my last jailing question, unless uh, Schwinn has some more, is uh, where do, I, I don't know who else you like for the Knicks, we've talked mm-hmm. about Tari Eason and Dyson sure. Daniels and Benedict Matherin and Mark Williams and so on, not so much, but like.
0: Oh, we've talked about Mark Williams. I didn't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. Schwinn, <laughs> Schwinn wants to take Mark Williams number one that's overall. not,
0: like, yes. Yep, that's exactly mm-hmm, what I said. Word yes. for word.
1: <laughs> N- totally real news. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, <laughs> my question was like, you said in your article you like him at 11, and so do both me and Schwinn.
2: Um, how do you like him compared to some of the other guys in the mix at 11? So for me, I feel like, so on draft night, we did our live stream and I was, uh, you know, I was being, being an idiot saying the Knicks were going to get the first pick, but when we ended up at 11th, I was excited. Like, I feel like this is one of the best drafts to have the 11th pick. And and the reason why I say that is I, I think it's hilarious. Like when like teams or like people on Twitter, they post like, oh, like, these are all the players in the past who were taken with the 11th pick, and they put Clay Thompson up there and all these random guys. I can give a rat's ass about who went 11th in the past. What I do care about is the Knicks being at 11 in a draft like this one. I think the context is really, really important because I feel like with the Knicks sitting at 11 and with the Knicks needing modern versatile wings, we are going to have so many different options sitting right there at 11. Like there's a world where Malachi Branham, Dyson, Dyson Daniels, Jalen Williams, Bennett Matherin, Ochai Agbaji, Usman Jang, Dalen Terry, uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. All these guys are just going to be sitting there staring at us. And my thing is like, of all the years for us to be at 11 and to have those types of players sitting there at 11, this is that year. This is an incredible year. So for me, I would love Jalen Williams there. I would love if Dyson Daniels makes it to 11, he'd be a great pick for the Knicks. I I compared Dyson Daniels to a modern day Ron Harper is how I feel about his game. Um, I think he's going to be an incredible defender, a great passer, pick and roll operator. His floater is just That thing is, Perfect. He is an incredible floater. Uh, great physique, great frame. I think he's going to be unbelievable. But then beyond him, right, the, the other guys that I met, baji just won the national title. He's a freak athlete. He can shoot the three. He's an older guy. I don't care about that at all. You watch his film and tell me he's not going to be a good NBA player, then what are we even talking about? Right. I didn't even mention Usman Jang. I know, um, Prez, you wrote an article about him that I read was excellent. Uh, Dalen Terry is my absolute favorite guy in this draft. Uh, he's a guy that I'm just going to be. I'm on the warpath for right now. Uh, his dad likes all my tweets right now because all I do is talk about Dalen Terry, That's and hilarious. I just think. I think he's gonna be just an absolutely unbelievable basketball player on the next level. His game is suited for the NBA. People have questions about his jump shots. I, I do not care. He shot forty seven from forty seven percent from three to end the season. Not that for his whole season percentage with that, but I think like the last like six or eight games he was forty seven percent from there and you watch his shot and there are things to clean up, but his passing, his energy, his Swin, so you would like Dalen. I don't know if you Dude, checked him out.
0: He's not. He's not up there. He, we're still. We're still he, working he, our way down the board. You know. He's like one of your
1: like Schwin's new thing is like he used to like the really boring cerebral uh-huh. players. Now he's more into like the athletic, high motor, but also high field type dudes. Mm-hmm. And Daylon Terry is is exactly that. Like when
2: yeah
1: in in March Madness when uh, Arizona's point guard went down, Daylon basically Pisa, yeah. was the point guard, right. and he's like a six
2: seven fucking pogo stick. Oh, So he's like
0: tooled up. Yeah, so oh, yeah.
2: I was actually there at that game. So it was oh, the, um, the uh, what's it called? The the Pac-12 conference in Vegas. Uh, me and Rucker, we were there to wa- to scout and to watch them live. It was funny. We were like sitting with like the Lakers scouts and the Orlando Magic scouts and we were just like, you know, trying to act like we belong, but whatever.
0: I, I like the Lakers <laughs> scouts being there pretending like they have a pick.
2: <laughs> but we were there and so we saw Terry play and as soon as Creasa went down, we're like, holy crap. And then we saw him play again and Terry just, Dude, he commands the whole arena. You feel his presence constantly, and I think he would be absolutely electric in a Knicks jersey. Like People will fall out of their chairs watching this guy play, Um, and you put him next to RJ with the playmaking and everything that he's got, the defensive versatility, you're going to love him. Uh, But beyond him, also like a Patrick Baldwin Jr., I'm getting that you guys don't really love Sohan so much. Uh, but Eason's a great guy as well. So there are going to be so many options for the Knicks there at 11. So this is like the best year for the Knicks to be there at that spot. And I'm really excited to see what they end up doing.
0: Um, Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously it'd be nice to move up one of these years, but it's fine. They didn't move up. I wasn't really expecting them to anyway. Um, And, and to be quite honest, like, I was listening to uh, PD Webb. He was on Lockdown Knicks this week, so I tuned into that. Uh, and his whole thing is, like, the Knicks need an advantage creator. They need somebody that can get into the paint, like, two feet in the paint consistently. And I agree with that. Like, the Knicks, we've talked about that a lot on here uh, in a lot of places. And, um, you know, we've seen what that did for the team when Rose was healthy because Rose, as old as he is, and as much as he's not 2011 primetime Derek Rose yamming on... Goran Dragic's head like he's still very capable of getting into the paint almost at will and um, of course the Knicks need that but like I still think there are players that can add dimensions to the team uh, available to them in this draft like you mentioned that the Knicks don't have the most versatile team uh, and, and I would say like I think there's a, I don't know if I entirely agree with that like I I definitely agree that like you know, like, especially like the vets on the team are not exactly the most, you know, you're not going to have Evan Fournier start switching across like four positions, right? Like, that's just not going to happen. Um, but I think like when you look at their group of younger players, those are guys, that, and, and I, it's an interesting thing about their team building, like, I like what they have done overall a decent amount, but I think especially with how they've done the draft and young players in general, like, you know, is like quickly is a guy who can defend at least a couple positions i think um and he's just versatile like the way he can play on and off ball makes him a versatile piece deuce mcbride is i think the plan for him is to be something similar to that um you know you look at grimes he's a guy who i think can defend one to three uh and maybe yeah, but not one to three i'll just say one to three i'm not gonna say four that's crazy uh rj barrett's a guy that can defend multiple positions Cam Reddish, I think, is really interesting because whatever his flaws are, which are many, like he is an actual big wing, and they don't ha- they didn't have any of them uh on the roster before that. So that's like another versatile piece. And so I just look at Jalen Williams, and not just Jalen Williams, like you know, you mentioned Prez's piece on Usman Jang, um, who's also like should be a versatile piece down the line, if not sooner. Uh like there are options for them there in this draft, even at 11. And arguably, like you know, yeah, it sucks. You don't, you're not going to get Jaden Ivy, but like other than Jaden Ivy, there's really nobody else. I'm looking at in this draft and I'm like, Ooh, this guy can just like, he's, his speed is electric. He can just tilt the defense. Like there's, there's nobody else like that. So it kind of means you just ignore that need for this draft and, and look at other things. And like, you know, you look at these playoffs and of, of course, like you don't want to, you don't want to take a single playoff you know, a single group of playoffs and just say like, oh, well, because this, these groups of teams are succeeding, that is now the one right way to like build out a team. Of course not. But I do think like versatility, ability to switch across positions, like these are just generally valuable. And I think with the way the league is trending, it's, it's just not, it's not going to ever stop being valuable at this point because of how perimeter oriented the game is, you know, like it's just not so. I I would just like I would love Jalen Williams, but there are a bunch bunch of guys in this draft available to them that I'm okay with. Like, you look at a guy like Benedict Matherin, who I think is you know defensively versatile. Um, you know, we've talked about Johnny Davis, who I think like is a really interesting bet, just given his efficiency sucked, but he was also like stretched to. I mean, in in some ways, like I think of Johnny Davis in college, like I of RJ Barrett last year where I'm like yeah the efficiency sucked but like I don't know if that's a really good indicator of of like what is their true scoring talent um if that makes sense like I think giant yeah, Davis is totally. a guy yeah like giant Davis is a guy to me I I watched him play enough that I'm like and Prez made me watch him play enough that to me it's just like yeah I I feel like this guy can be a very if you scale down his usage to like twenty three twenty four how efficient is he now? you know like it's it's a totally different ball game for him, so i I'm really interested in in him. I think that he's like a fun player um and there's just a lot of guys like that in this draft that are going to like you know we can love Jalen Williams. I think it's safe to say if the Knicks want him at eleven, he will be there at eleven uh like i don't think that's that's too much of a hot take um but like there are a lot of guys that could drop them at 11 that i would be a fan of you mentioned sohan though and i gotta say like i i i'm i the knicks will not take him like just given his shooting like i just don't think that's happening and i listened to uh prez i listened to your second part of your pod with chuck today um i gotta say i thought his analysis of like of everything about him as a player was spot on and. All of that is like, you know, he's not the most athletic. So if you're a guy that's going to be like, you know, if your thing, your calling card is, I'm going to be one to four switchable on defense. Like that's really hard to do if you're not a plus athlete. And like he, his shooting numbers, like the, the free throw stuff, I, I don't care about the field goal percentage or three point percentage so much, but the, the free throw stuff is really worrying. I don't know. Like I just, that, that one to me seems like There's projects. There are good projects. And then there's just like guys that are raw and we assign project stuff to them. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true. And like, I hate to do it because he is my son and he will always be my son. But like, we should learn from how we assigned value to Frank in a lot of ways where it's like, Oh my God, his pick and roll passing. Oh my God, he's so tall. All of these things. But it's like, you've brought this up a lot. Like the threshold to get on ball. PNR like pick and roll ball handling reps in the NBA are so like that threshold that you have to meet for a team to want to give you those reps is so high and like not that Sohan is a pick and roll ball handling guy but like it's just like the idea of assigning upside to players just based on like being raw and having certain physical tools I think that's where it's like it's it, the draft is really hard and I think that's probably like where the best scouts are able to do their that's probably where they differentiate themselves it's like what is the difference between being raw and toolsy and like like what does that mean versus being you have tools and how you you know how you apply them as a player like does that give you is that what actual potential is um and i know that's like not very clear or helpful but like i just think the way we talk about what is potential what is a project like all these things is so interesting because i look at a guy like Jalen williams who's older and like to me i still think he has a lot of upside um but even though he has a lot of upside you already see like all of these things that he has polished and developed so he's already coming to the league with like this broad set of skills that he has at his disposal with the potential to get better and like You know, you wrote about Usman Jang, and I don't, they're not the same player, but the idea of like a bigger ball handling, pick and roll player type of thing, like to me, and Dyson Daniels is similar too. Like, I would rather just take Jalen Williams because Jalen Williams has already developed like the hardest parts of that. And yeah, he's older, but like, I already know that there's a baseline with him, or I feel confident anyway that there's a baseline with him. And, I don't need to waste two years of a rookie contract developing pieces of his game that like then could put him at this level where Jalen Williams already is, you know, like Jalen Williams is coming in for four years on a rookie deal. I think if you give him minutes, he's going to give you production.
1: Yeah. I'm Albert. I'm curious what your thoughts are. So like you mentioned earlier, one of the appealing things about Jalen is even if he's not giving you you know, primary ball handler, whatever Alpha Omega, like he was at Santa Clara, he still mm-hmm. provides you with a lot of value through his shooting and through his secondary ball handling and his athleticism and mm-hmm. his passing and all that. So, um, how are you, if if you were in the Knicks front office, like I, I think we could probably all agree that the Knicks should probably value upside a little bit more than other teams just because they still don't have like a super duper star or anything like that, but how like for the guys we've talked about and you've talked about who are in this range is, is there anyone else who provides that va- like a lot of value to you, but does so without uh like needing the ball as much? Like you mentioned the ability to play with RJ Barry and other guys mm-hmm. like Emmanuel quickly. Like I think that's the sweet spot is somebody who, has on ball upside, but if they don't get on ball a ton, are, s- are still really helpful. That's the right. sweet spot to me. So, so who else? You mentioned a lot of guys, and a lot of them, maybe maybe a lot of them fit that. But if you have to pick like three of them sure. for for the Knicks to go to war for, who would you pick?
2: ah so that's a tough one because i like (laughs) so many of these guys but i do want to say i I was laughing to myself when you were like well it doesn't seem like we have a super duper star but sometimes on nick's twitter it feels like you know people go to war for emmanuel quickly like he is a super duper star or something but um it's swin he's people
0: (laughs) i I mean if you want to be like i'll be honest like i think i've gone back and forth on this like mm-hmm. i think he has a legit star upside i think if you're asking me gun to my head like which nicks young player do i think has the best shot of being a star i would say him at this point um wow. i think his shot creation his ball handling the fact that he in my opinion for a perimeter player he possesses the single most important tool you can have which is pull up shooting off the dribble mm-hmm. um I like, I think the, the progression he made last year in terms of playmaking was like, I don't think that was a fluke. I think the last 23 games of the season or whatever it was, to me, that was, that was a guy genuinely, like, that was progression. What that was, was a guy taking a leap. Um, and I think the gravity he has that, that, what that gravity he has as a pull-up shooter, like that is something the Knicks have not had. I, I don't think they've had that ever. And obviously he's not Steph, right? Like, nobody is Steph. But, like, it's like a super, 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 super cheap version of that. Like, these guys that, like, come off a screen, that get a ball screen 25 feet out, and the defense has to be focused on them because of, like, what they can do in those situations, they are so valuable. And they change. I, I, PD said something really interesting. Um on his appearance uh, on Lockdown on Knicks, about how the Knicks don't have an advantage creator who, like, changes the geometry of the defense. And I tend to agree with him. Like, I don't think Quickly is there, but he has moments and he has stretches where, like, you can see these stressing defenses just by using a ball screen, you know, 25 feet out and coming off of it looking for a three. And I just don't think anybody else in the team even come closest to possessing that um and my super hot take is he will be a better nba player than tyrese Maxey.
2: wow okay so there's there's a lot (laughs) for me to take in there okay um i hear that i respect that um i don't want to argue with you on that it's just for me i had Maxey in my top 10 and i did too draft i wanted Maxey to go eight to the knicks I had him eight also. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Um, But yeah, I I hear all that. And, you know, to your your earlier point when you were talking about the versatility of the Knicks, and I I know what you're saying. And, like, a lot of that was theoretical, though, because with McBride, like, we still have to see Cam Reddish. We still have to see. But my thing is, that's nice, but I don't think it's enough. And I think the Knicks... Mm -hmm should be looking to add a lot more, um, especially if we want to pair them with a quickly and an RJ, because we need wings. We, we just, mm-hmm. you mentioned that yeah, it. our only big hole. wing is Cam Reddish. And that's, I, I want to see the Knicks. Like, I. It, what do we have? Like two picks in this draft. I'd like to use, I like to use both of them on wings and be totally fine with it. Like if the Knicks end up with Jalen Williams at 11 and Justin, Justin Lewis at 42, I'd be the happiest man on planet earth. Like, I, I just feel like we need to be, doing more of that but um if prez if i go back to your question about the top three guys um that i would like at this spot i think according to my board wait um, wait wait
1: real quick i'm gonna cheat and modify the question at the one yard line here assume dyson daniels is off the board because i already know you love dyson daniels and apparently he's like getting
2: top five six consideration here so (laughs) okay so without dyson daniel's what you're saying right Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the guy that I have above him, who I think might actually be there, is Malachi Branham. Um, he's Ooh. he's a guy from Ohio State, and I, his pull up shooting, his shooting from the mid range, his shooting from three, his off ball stuff, he can even create out of the pick and roll. He's he's wicked, man. Like he's a guy that I think is unbelievably good for his age. Now, this is one one of the parts where we bring up age, right? Where he's super young, but beyond that, he's so damn good. So, when you like, it, it's interesting how we talk about age, right? But if mm-hmm. he's going to be that young and that nasty in his freshman year, you go back and watch how he was playing next to EJ Liddell, and some of the stuff that he was doing on that team was unbelievable. And I think he would be a great fit next to RJ, next to Quickly with his shooting and his playmaking. I, I think he would be phenomenal. So, Malachi would be my number one um, in that range. After that, if I'm not Just counting down, real quick, do you see yeah.
0: Branham as a 2 3 like defensively or? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. He has pretty long arms, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh,
0: He's still got to fill out. Do you think he still has to fill out though? Yeah, yeah. Oh,
2: 100%. Yeah. Yeah. He's like like, 12 years old. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I think over time, but he has nice shoulders. He's got Mm -hmm. big shoulders. Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. that frame is going to fill up real nice. So, And if I'm not counting Dyson, I'm not counting Jalen Williams, then the next guy on my board I have is Ochai Agbaji. Oh, no, sorry, Benedict Matherin. I think Matherin would be a great fit for the, this Knicks team. I saw Matherin play live, and he, he, he I know he's listed at 6'5", like 6'6", six, 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 but he looked bigger in person. His frame is gigantic. Um, I think the question with him, because I've always been kind of a pessimist when it comes to Benedict, but the biggest thing with him is when he's locked in defensively, he's an absolute terror. But when he's not locked in, he can float a little bit. So that's something that I think he needs to work on, but the outside shooting is real, the athleticism is real. He can do, he definitely developed as a ball handler as well. And then after that would be Ochai Agbaji. I, I think Agbaji, you watch some of the stuff. They're running like pick and roll with him, and they're throwing lobs to him, and the ball's like at the top of the, at the top of the backboard and he's catching them, throwing it down. And he was a guy that they relied on heavily as a, a guy. He had the ball in his hands a good amount. Not that he was a primary or anything like that, but the over his career at Kansas, developed so much as a shooter. He's going to be a really strong, versatile defender, good length. Look at his frame. You look at the chest on that guy, the shoulders on him. He's going to be such a strong, <laughs> solid defender on the next level. So, If we're talking about guys like that that you want to put next to a quickly in an R.J., those three guys I think would be phenomenal.
0: The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win it and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings same-game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN, only a DraftKings sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All I've seen of Agba, is it Agbaji or uh, how do you pronounce yeah, it?
2: Yeah, yeah, Agbaji, I believe.
0: Yeah. Uh, all I saw of him is like the final four in the championship game. So I have no. Real thoughts on him. Um, I do like Matherin a lot. I think he is a really... His off-ball scoring skill set is really nice. I think that's something the Knicks... Other than Grimes, they don't really have somebody who can shoot at pace... Like running off of screens at pace like that. Fournier is a good movement shooter, but he moves like as fast as I do. Which is not a compliment. Like it's it's very slow, and I think Matherin is somebody who can scramble defenses if he gets hot because of the speed he runs off of screens at. Um, which is like, I mean, look, that he's not going to odds are he's not going to be this guy, but it's like, Clay Thompson is the God mode version of this, right? Like because of the speed he comes off of screens and how quick his releases and all that stuff. Like, and obviously, just how great of a shooter he is. Um, that like that can draw two to the ball and create openings that wouldn't exist otherwise. So, like, is Matherin going to be that level of shooter? The odds are no, because how many people are clay-level shooters? Um, but, like, he has that type of skill set. So I, I really like him. I agree with you that, like, he... I know Prez has said this a lot, that he's more of a 2-3. And I know, like, he's what... I think he measured in at six five six six whatever it was. But, like, when I just see film of him, he, like it feels like he's bigger than that. Right. Uh, he, he like, I don't know, Steve, the I'm way gonna, he plays. Act, man. Yeah. He, he's, <laughs> yeah, like, well, yeah. it's crazy because I think he came in at 6'5", 6, 6, 6, 205, yeah. and yeah. Davis was like six five one ninety seven. 197. And I actually think Davis is underrated as an athlete and his strength. But mm. like, for that to only be an eight pound difference, I'm like, your scales are fucked up, man. Like that, something is wrong there because <laughs> Matherin looks like, and if this is a 205, like, he can probably get to 215, 220. That's insane. Like, he's going to be just such a physical beast. Like I just, I would love to add him. I think that would be fun. Um, Tari Eason, I, I really like um, just the way he plays, his size. Um, Prez has talked about, like, he actually got some small ball five reps defensively in college, and that's something that he thinks he can do at the NBA level. Um, but, like, the just the concept of having guys that can go small, like, he can potentially defend three, four, five. It's these are the type of, and I agree with you, like the versatility wings, like that is what the Knicks should target in this draft. Like facetiously uh Prez outed my Mark Williams love. Uh like I just think if the Knicks got an extra lottery pick or something, or an extra first, and they wanted to take a big because I don't think Mitchell Robinson is staying here, mm-hmm. I would be okay with that. And I really like Mark Williams. I mean, his like we talk about physical tools, like his tools are Bonkers. Uh, yeah, I I think I actually think his upside is. Uh, I've seen like a lot of draft Twitter seems really down on him, and I understand that. Like why? I don't um, get it
2: at all. Yeah,
0: I like him a lot. Like I think mm-hmm.
2: if, real, if I were real.
0: if I were to bet on a center in terms of like because him and Durant are the two that look like they're getting any type of lotto buzz. Right. Um, I would take Mark pretty like easily. I just think give me the guy that has elite elite tools like that like what what is he had a 9-9 standing reach or something right like it it was something crazy and like it was i think he was more than gobert you know like uh, because i uh, maybe it's ptsd from like us not drafting gobert because i didn't really follow the draft at all back then but i just remember like seeing his measurables at that time and (laughs) they were like i knew nothing about him but i was like the knicks had the 23rd pick i think in that draft they took hardaway jr um, but like, I just remember seeing his, like, his measurements, and I'm like, why don't the Knicks just fucking take this guy? Like, like, you like this, you can't teach this shit. This is insane. And he doesn't look like a stiff. And that's where I come on with Mark Williams. Like, he's not a stiff to me. And he has these crazy physical tools. And, like, he, he has, like, good touch. Like, his offensive touch on the basket. He's not a guy with no offensive skill, which is really important to me Uh, when you're talking about, like, centers and their ability to be... On the floor in crunch time and playoffs, like I think he does have an upside and and a potential to be that guy. I
2: one million percent agree with you. I I have I, I know I talked a lot about wings today. I would have absolutely no problem with the Knicks taking Mark Williams uh, even at eleven. Um, Mark Williams is a guy. I actually wrote about him uh, a couple months back. Uh, I did a piece on him, Coloco and Kessler together. I did like a whole WWE themed um, thing about them, but. I love Mark Williams. He doesn't have arms. He has ladders for arms. It's unbelievable. It's <laughs> his. He's crazy. And so, mm. and beyond that, and beyond the whole physical measurement stuff, like you watch him, what he does defensively is unbelievable. Offensively, he even showed some passing and stuff. So, I have no problem with the Knicks going that route too. It's just if if I'm thinking like big picture, like macro, like what does the NBA look like and what's really important. I just want to add more wings. Like sometimes like I even think about like, I know the Clippers didn't have a great season, but like I'd like to build a roster like that um, where they just have like a trillion wings, and they're like, "Let's go to war with the all Celtics. these wings." Yeah, yeah,
1: or, or the Celtics, Celtics or the like, Suns, Marcus Smart whatever, is basically yeah. a small wing. I think, like, I think
0: that <laughs> Miami has tried to do this, but actually, you know, this is a good example of what you're talking about. Where like you need bigger wings, more versatile wings. Like right. you're seeing some of the limitations of Miami's set of wings, where they don't really have those bigger dudes like Max Struess and Butler are their bigger wings, and I guess PJ Tucker, but he's different to me. Like I don't know, he's just a different. Type of Yeah. Player. No one likes like, him. Yeah. yeah. But like they don't have a lot of those things. And you're just seeing like, you know, even Jalen Brown is bigger than their wings. And that's it is what it is. But like, yeah, like I, I, I'm I'm with you. Like, I don't think like I don't think the Knicks should take Mark Williams, but it's a thing where like I just watch him and I'm like, dude, I can't understand why somebody in a front office somewhere would be like, yeah, OK, this dude is insane. We got to take him. Sorry.
2: Yeah, no, I I totally get it. The only thing with me though is like it, it, there it might be a world where the Knicks get an awesome wing at 11 and then Christian Coloco is just sitting there at 42 and Coloco I think is
0: just Yeah, Prez loves as good. him.
2: I I love Coloco. I I you know, I mentioned the piece that I wrote about him like he's awesome. So, I uh, I would be down for that too.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's also a thing like if you think he's going to be there at the end of the first, you know, you can use yeah, exactly. you, have, you have the 42nd pick cash another future second or something like you have a lot of ways to get back into that late first to nab him and get him on a four-year contract yeah. which is basically what they did with quickly right it was like they probably knew they could have gotten him at 33 but it's like why not take this guy at 25 mm-hmm. get a four-year contract on him yeah. um that's just like like i think that would be a smart move and it, yeah like i haven't dug into coloco but prez yeah. sent him what was it like was it his pro, it was day? his, his
1: pro days today yeah. i was it was know, impressive I- yeah, I, I just look at his... um Two things stuck out. One was like... And this is actually a significant difference um, between him and Mark Williams. Coloco's legs are like pogo sticks. And they're like super skinny. And that alone probably explains the weight difference between Coloco being 225 and Mark being like 245 or whatever he Mark is, is just like a man right now. He's like... Tr- <laughs> he has two chunks for legs. And this guy just has skinny springs and uh and then he was you know he was we know Coloco he got to shoot some mid-range shots for Arizona but obviously they didn't let him really shoot threes but he was uh you know he was looking good the three point shot was looking good um i'm very certain that if he comes to New York actually i can't even say they won't let him cuz they was letting Taj pull it so who fuck knows man <laughs> taj 40% from from but, the corners or whatever t- sniper
0: Taj Taj but Taj has been working on that three point shot since his rookie year with Tibbs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he, he needed ten years in the game with
1: Tibbs to get the credentials for that yeah. shit. Tibbs is like,
0: all right, this is the year, Todd, you've earned it.
1: <laughs> that was a retirement gift.
0: <laughs> Todd retiring, bro. He's he's gonna be the he's he's settling into this uh Haslam role.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad at that.
0: Um yeah look I I know that you have to run, but I wanted to ask you uh just about a couple of guys that I'm I'm curious about that I've just recently like started watching at all, uh, I've seen uh, a friend of the pod who hasn't been on the pod yet uh, at Hawks Draft Nerd, I think it is his account. Oh yeah, Simon
2: Simon's yeah. a legend.
0: Yeah he he loves Jaden Hardy like loves Jaden Hardy. I watched he I think he might have been in the same pro day as Coloco today. Yeah, um, I saw some of his clips. He seems like absolutely the type of guy the Knicks love, uh, like that type of shooter like is he a guy that you think late first the the range he's going at like is, is he a guy you like, and what what is it, like what is his skill set? If you want to just kind of expand on what he brings to the table.
2: No, for sure. I think I I actually can't believe you're asking me about Hardy because he's actually one of my favorite players. I have I might be the only human being left on earth that still has Hardy in my top ten. I think Simon and I are the only ones that still have him <laughs> in our top ten. Um, also, shouts to Simon. Like Simon's fantastic. Um, Corey and I we actually recorded a pod with Rashad. Uh, Rashad Phillips and we talked about Hardy and Rashad Phillips. The the um, comparison that he gave her Hardy was Buddy Hield, and I, I know that that's a pretty good one. For me, though, the reason why I love Jaden Hardy so much is he was he played for the G League Ignite, and from day one, they literally asked him like, "Hey, we know what your strengths are just just work on your weaknesses." They put the ball in his hands. They asked him to make a lot of tough decisions against pro players. They're asking him to run pick and roll. They're asking him to facilitate. They asked him to just be a decision maker, and that's why the beginning and the, like the middle of his season was a terrible. He was doing stuff that he was just not used to doing. But if you watch the last four to six games of that G League next season, he he showed so much growth as a pick-and-roll operator, some of the passes that he was making, the synergy that he was finding, even with a very old Amir Johnson, it was really fun stuff to watch. Wait, Amir and-
0: Johnson's playing down there? <laughs>
1: yeah, dude. He's <laughs> like, every every season, they get a couple of OGs, and uh, like, yeah. it was Jared Jack,
2: Jared right? Jack.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Nick work. Legend, yeah.
2: Jerry Jack. Yeah, so Jerry Jack played last year. This year, they replaced Jerry Jack with, like, Pooh Jetter, and uh, that <laughs> didn't work out too great. But, you know, when you watch the Hardy tape and the way that he finished the season, the shooting numbers came up, the playmaking, you could visibly see he was more comfortable operating with the ball in his hands and making making decisions. Some of the pinpoint passes he made out of the pick and roll, it was fantastic. And ultimately, with him, The jump shot's real. He can shoot it from the parking lot. Uh, Before the college (laughs) basketball season, Corey and I actually had him number one on our boards. And now, obviously, he's dropped a lot on a lot of people's boards, and I understand that. But for me, the reason why I can't drop him out of my top 10 is because I've always had it in my mind that if everything goes well, the 1% outcome with Jaden Hardy is Gilbert Arena's light. And I really do believe that. And now, of course, I'm not saying he's going to be Gilbert Arenas, but if everything goes well, I think he could be that type of player because he's shown the ability now to handle the ball, to make decisions. Is he perfect at it? No, but he's shown growth. And then he's got the parking lot range. He can shoot it from anywhere. There are certain things that he definitely still has to clean up. I get it, but I just think as an offensive weapon, he – is going to end up looking so much better on the NBA level um, eventually uh, than he did in the beginning of his G League season. And so I think he's a guy who needs time and a guy who's going to develop into a really dangerous offensive player. So I've got no problem. If the Knicks took him at 11, I'm sure a lot of people might freak out and they're going to watch all the bad tape. But go back to his college stuff, go watch the end of the G League season, and there's a lot for you guys to like there.
0: Is is he, the way you described him, does he have a lot of Does he have similarities to like Bones? Oh.
2: He's I not, like yeah. I like his physique a lot better than Bones. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I don't like Bones' physique, but Hardy's got gigantic shoulders. I'm a big shoulders guy. I like these guys with he, like Tatum shoulders, you know. But Hardy <laughs> is a guy who is going to be physically, I think, much stronger than Bones, in my opinion. That's yeah, they good. both they both
1: got range and they both put him up. Um, they both had loads of offensive responsibility in their pre-NBA season. in um, when you brought up Hardy, you mentioned that he might go in the late first. I actually think he'll probably go. Uh, is more likely he'll go in the like fourteen to twenty range. Because, really? Yeah, just because like a lot of the a lot of the things that Albert said, like his stock has fallen when he was in top five combo, but like that dude can fucking shoot it. Like my favorite Hardy stat is on, uh, I, I I don't remember if it was catch-and-shoot, all catch-and-shoot or unguarded catch-and-shoot, but it was like uh-huh. 50%. Like, he's basically automatic if he's wide open. And, you know, like the, the high, high, high end are, are like those kind of Gilbert-type guys that, you know, you mentioned he doesn't have the athleticism of a lot of those guys, which is the one differentiator. But he is like a physical, like he's going to get... Once he puts, he has the frame to put on muscle, and like that'll yeah. help make up for it. How's his handle? It's he's got he's got what I describe as moves, but yeah. still needs to tighten the
2: handle. It's, so like exactly, yeah, he needs some fine tuning.
1: Yeah, yeah, he needs to just get it so it, it's not quite as fumbly. But like he he has the the press bait like saucy sauce type moves to create space and stuff. Um, I, I actually he actually reminds me. This seems like. Some people may listen to this and think I'm hating, but I'm really not. He kind of reminds me of Fournier a lot in that like Fournier is getting old. We talked about him getting slower, but like Fournier is really a guy who like he was a number one perimeter option on a bad team. Really, he should be a two or three or four on a good team. He can run pick and rolls, but he's not like a pick and roll maestro, but he can run pick and rolls and he can do different kinds of shooting like off the dribble, off the catch. And on defense, you know he might not—he's not about to be Quentin Grimes out here locking up, but he can be in the right place at the right time, and he won't sink your five-man unit. Bingo. That's kind yeah. of how Hardy is. He's like, and Hardy's—you know—he's a fucking better athlete than old Fournier. Mm-hmm. Young Fournier was was a little more spry. Oh, yeah, I, a little bit. He, he 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 had a couple dunks in his day on you know Denver or whatever, but um, yeah, that's going. So like, and, I mean, the big. The real differentiator is he's shorter than Fournier, but like he's—I don't think teams will pass up on the jump shooting, even if there's some other landmines to work around. Just because, like, he's a really good shooter, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Like we saw with Trey last year, like mid first, late first, like guys like Trey, man, even Bones, it's Grimes. Like people will work around the flaws to draft the
0: shooter um and uh just last guy before we uh get out of here albert um can you talk a little bit about both jake laravia and turquavion smith turquavion smith seems like a guy who i think he was bet or at least from what i read it seemed like he got uh some positive push up the boards off of his um mm-hmm. combine scrimmage performances. And uh, Laravia is a guy Prez has talked about a lot previously, but he's somebody that I think, from what I've read, it seems like he's pretty locked in somewhere in that 20 to 30 range. <laughs>
2: um, Yeah, so Laravia is a guy that... Uh, My co-host, Corey, actually got to spend some time with him in Jersey um, just during the pre-draft stuff, got to uh, spend some time with him working out, did some interviews with him, him and uh, Kevin McCuller, I believe, who now just transferred to Kansas. Uh, But Laravia is a guy who's a really smart player. He's a modern wing type of guy who's going to shoot the ball well. You know, he's he's a classic, like. He's not a freak athlete, but he's a good athlete. Uh, he can dribble, pass, and shoot. Right, the Jalen Rose special. Um, you, guys who can do all that. Um, I, I think Lare. Where do I have Laravia on my big board? Actually, I have him thirty six, but I think I can move him up higher. He's just a high IQ, skilled wing who is going to offer a, offer any team a high floor. Right, he, you, you just know that this guy's going to be a good NBA player. Turquavion he's pretty Smith, big, right? Yeah, yeah. He's Laravia? he's he's, 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 a, he's a little thick, you know. Uh, <laughs> he's T'T'Ell got some to him. The
0: one <laughs> has him at 6, 8, 227. Yeah,
2: okay. yeah. He's got some size to him. He can shoot, dribble, pass, all that stuff. So it's easy to see why an NBA team would fall in love with a guy like Laravia and easily use like a late first rounder, early second on him. Terquavion Smith is interesting. I mean, he played what one game at the combine, and then you know his 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 team pulled him. Um, I get it. Like he's got range; he can really shoot it. Um, he is. I, I don't think he's skinny. I think he might be frail. He's crazy thin. Like he he kind of yeah. he'll disappear if like he's standing the wrong way. Um, <laughs> you know. So I, I I that's one thing I don't love about him. But at the same time, like dude, like he'll. He'll be eating more, or whatever. Like, I don't want to hold that against him. But the thing with Turquavion that I didn't love uh, the decision making with him when you know defensive would defensive would step up on him, add some pressure. Uh, I didn't love some of the decisions that he made. I thought he would panic a little bit and throw some of the wildest passes. I think I've seen in a long time. Um, I'm I'm fine with him. I, I don't love him. I don't hate him. Mm. I wouldn't say any of that. But he's like like I would very easily say that he's not one of my guys. Um and, and you know it's funny I think on our live stream one of our guys at, was asking me like would you take Terquavion or would you take Blake Wesley and that's interesting too because I'm not really a Blake Wesley guy either um I think he's got absolutely no touch
0: But Wesley was noted he was at Notre Dame right correct
2: correct yeah. but of the, the two, worst touch I've ever seen so it, many layups only glass no negative touch like <laughs> I, I can't for a wing like I can't believe how many air balls he threw up there too and the touch around the rim is like horrifying but um. Showed a lot on defense, like he really pops athletically, and he did a lot both on ball and off ball as a defender. So I can see why he he has some believers because he's really going to pop athletically. But Terquavion's a guy that I think is just fine. I'm not in love with, and he's yeah. I, I but I get it though. The shooting seems to be real. He has a deep deep range, but just not my cup of tea is what I'd say.
0: Uh, all right, Albert. I know that uh, we uh, we. We talked a little bit past the hour that we were supposed to hold you to, but uh, thank you so much for coming on. really appreciate it. Uh, I will link your Jalen Williams piece since all we did uh, for the first 30 minutes of this pod was talk about how Jalen Williams is literally the greatest thing ever. Um, Let the people know where they can find you and uh, plug anything that you'd like to plug.
2: Absolutely. Uh, you guys can find me at Albert Toe uh, with an e, uh, GIM uh, on Twitter. That toe is like the toe on your foot. It's a stupid name that I got, um, like a stupid email I got back in high school. I just never got rid of it, um, is where you can find me. I'm a part of the No Ceilings NBA Collective where we just talk about the draft and the NBA. Uh, is what we do. I'm also a, uh, the co-host of the Draft Act NBA podcast with Corey Tulliba. Uh That's something we've been doing for a little over a year now, and we absolutely love, and is one of the uh, one of my favorite things that I do in life. Um, I also dropped, as you mentioned, the Jalen Williams piece. Um, also, if you're interested in, in like Dalen Terry that I talked about, I wrote a piece about him about two months ago. That's pretty uh, in depth on him. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it about me. I would love to come back and talk more Knicks with you guys next time. I know we talked a lot about prospects, but you know I'm, you know I born and raised Nick fan uh, all 32 years of my life. So I no longer live in New York, but I still do everything that I can to catch every damn game of my Knicks. So uh, yeah, this was an honor. You guys are awesome, and I'd love to come back and also have you guys on one day
0: as well. Yeah, let us know. Uh, you don't want me on a on a on a draft. Have Prez on. Pre, have Prez on. Uh, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. And uh, talk to you soon. All right. Bye, guys.